Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William & Mary's campus. My name is Jenny Hellmandaller, and today we are talking about undergraduate research, which is so exciting because there are so many opportunities here on campus. So um, today I'm joined by Dr. Dan Crystal and as well as students, Daniel Posthumus and Leo Murphy. How are you all? Doing well, thanks. Great. Yeah, and Fantastic. So what kind of research do you all do? What is your main thing? Um, well, I'm involved in physics research on campus. I, for about the past year, since the beginning of last spring semester, I've been working with a physics professor in sort of a one-on-one -on -one project. Uh, I have been involved in plasma physics with Professor Mordik in the physics department, and I've been sort of maintaining code that's important to help run plasma physics experiments. And that has been pretty fun so far. So I've been working in the International Justice Lab with the Global Research Institute with Dr. Zvobgo, um, and I just started working one-on-one -on -one with a professor, Professor Harish, on a disaster responsiveness in Indonesia. I have been doing research here for 25 years, and I study many, many different questions about birds. And most recently, I've been studying the effects of pollution on birds, particularly mercury pollution. So for someone who doesn't really understand what undergraduate research can look like, what does it look like? Because I know, Leo, you said you do individual research. You did as well, Daniel. I myself am part of a research group. Um, so what kind of ways can people even just get involved in research? Like, what do you do? Well, there's a lot in that question, Ginny. Yeah. Uh, the way to get involved in research is to find a professor somehow. And there's many different avenues to that. But research is a mentored experience. And so students who want to do undergraduate research need to work with a professor or a group of professors. That can happen in so many different ways. It can be a Monroe project. It can be an honors thesis. It can be joining a lab, not necessarily only in the sciences, but joining a lab and working with a large group of students that is working under one or more professors on ongoing projects that change from year to year and evolve. So there's many, many different ways to get involved, but what research is, is the generation of new knowledge or doing something that has the potential to generate new knowledge. So writing a term paper is not research because you're generally not writing up anything new. You're simply bringing together things that are already known and giving it to a professor. Real research means that there's the potential to find something new add that to the body of human knowledge and really change the future forever in some very small way, perhaps, or in a large way. And that's quite a different activity than what you do in class. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I know both of you talked a little bit about your research. How exactly did you get involved? How do you know you wanted to do it? Um, well, uh, a lot of physics students, I think, get involved in research. I've also been told, like, you can just ask a professor. So I've, I asked two professors to see if uh, I looked at what research they were doing. There's a nice physics website that lists what all the press professors are involved in in terms of research. And I found two professors who, whose work looked interesting and who uh, were sort of recommended as like good professors by some of my physics friends. And um, the first one I just emailed and he's like, oh, sorry, my lab is full. Uh, if you want to check again later, like in a later semester, you're welcome to. And then the second professor I talked to, she was like, oh yeah, come on in. I'm always looking for like new students. And so it really doesn't hurt to ask, especially if you already know a professor um, or they're like 
the professors at William and Mary are generally nice people. So it's usually, uh, there's no real harm, I think, in trying to get involved in research. And uh, it mostly just involves talking to professors. And so I ended up joining the Professor Mordique's physics group. And uh, a lot of the people in that group, uh, one of the reasons I've been staying around for so long is just because they're really cool people in that group. We're all doing individual projects, but we like to, sometimes it can be a social experience too. Yeah, I know. So for me, I knew about the Global Research Institute before coming here uh, because my brother is a student at William & Mary. Um, he worked for the Global Research Institute. So I just signed up for their digest and I got their email and the International Justice Lab seemed like a cool opportunity. So I applied. Um, and then for my one-on-one -on -one experience, I really liked my professor. Um, I have him for a class right now and I really enjoyed the class. Uh, so I just asked if he was looking for a research assistant and it happened to work out. Yeah, it is definitely interesting how students get involved because I myself, um, my research group discourse analysis uh, with Dr. Leslie Cochran, she happened to be my pre-major advisor. So I was just talking to her in office hours one day about my major and I happened to ask her about um, her research and she just was talking about it and it sounded really cool. She invited me to like sit in on a meeting. Um, so yeah, it's really cool how those opportunities arise. And that's something that's unique to William & Mary, isn't it? Well, unique is a strong word, but we certainly do it better and more of it than nearly every other school. So by the time William Mary students graduated, there's an 80% chance that they have had a research experience. Now, some of that is happening in class because there are research-based classes, uh, but at least 60% of our students have a one-on-one -on -one research experience with a professor outside of class that lasts a semester or more. And some of them do it for almost four years. So they're basically getting a graduate degree while they're an undergraduate with all of this research that they're doing. Yeah, I was at um, and the American Anthropological Association conference back in November. And I remember just standing around with some scholars in the field and they were saying like, oh, wow, you're an undergraduate, that's crazy. And like, there are people asking me if, what level of master's program or doctoral program I was in. It's like, yes, I am a sophomore in college. So it's really cool to be able to have those sorts of opportunities as an undergrad. So as we're talking about um, undergrad research and just the experience, what do you think makes research different from other extracurriculars or other aspects of the college experience? Um, I think research is one of the things that prepared, like it's definitely prepares you a lot for what life academic life and professional life is beyond college. Um, like you can learn things in your classes, but uh, I went to a physics conference last November, which was really interesting, not just because of getting to present research, but also I got to meet a bunch of other, like you, Ginny, uh, a bunch of other people who are actually in graduate programs or in, in the field or getting PhDs. And um, I got to learn so much about like what I got to meet people, make connections, and figure out what life is like. Um, and it's so much, like, that's what's important about learning, is that you can contribute to new knowledge. Yeah, I also think it's, like, the ability to make, make an impact and make an impact in the real world, you know, beyond just the college campus. Um, like, I recently wrote a paper with Dr. Zvobgo um, about U.S. Truth Commissions, and U.S. Truth Commission members, like, in Iowa City, for example, have actually read the paper, uh, so that's really cool to kind of see that nexus. It's, really it's cool. not just the ivory tower, um, but things that really matter. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you've hit on a good point there, Daniel, which is uh, so much of what you do in college is very 
protected and not necessarily real world experience. So in classes, the consequences of uh, getting something wrong in class is usually very minimal. Um, and in clubs, the consequences, again, of losing the election for the board or whatever might happen to you in club is not affecting much outside of the university. But research, when you're doing research with the potential to generate new knowledge, that means that there's the potential that people will be publishing papers, doing entire PhD theses after reading your paper, the results of your research. You could be steering them in a wrong direction for six years. You could be affecting treatments for medical problems. You could be in some small way, changing the course of other people's history when you're doing research. And so you have to be really careful and you have to do it on a level where you know it's impacting uh, potentially the real world forever. When things are published, they are out there forever, mm -hmm. assuming we don't forget how to use language or something like that. Um, that's information that millions of people will have access to over hundreds of years probably. So it's a big deal. And when you're operating at that level, there's a sense of responsibility that comes with that, a sense of um, required maturity, honesty, uh, which really isn't achieved in a lot of other aspects of college life. So I think it just offers something that you can't get as much of in other ways on campus. Um, I think one thing I'd like to add to that is, like, obviously, there are things you can do wrong in research, but it's not like there's a well, my professor says that there's no right answer in research. It's in class, it's very much a, or at least especially in the sciences, um, you, can, you, you can solve problems in class, but then you check your answers and you find out, oh, I did that wrong. And it's very much a, um, the goal is to avoid making, like avoid failing and get better at it because you know what the right answer is. But in research, you're, if you're finding out something entirely new, you don't know where, no one's ever been there before. It might be a small step, but it's still unknown. And so you have to get used to maybe something doesn't work out the way you think it is. And that's not because you have to just do the problem again until you get it right. It's because that just that might just be how things work. And so it really gets you used to um, the mindset of, oh, I don't need to, um, like it gets you out of the protected environment of learning and into like the, the, Un, like sort of the uncontrolled uh, environment of discovering. And that aspect of discovery is really exciting as a student to be able to engage in that kind of work, but it definitely is stressful and um, balancing research with other aspects of college life can be stressful. What are some other challenges you've encountered with student research? Well, I know it's very easy to lose yourself in student research. Like you tell yourself, oh, I can always do more hours, you know, or I should be doing more hours, especially for these open-ended projects. Um, so that's something, you know, you know, sometimes you lose yourself in it or, you know, you don't get as much sleep as you should because you're doing research. Um, but I think that's also like just having a good relationship with your mentor and knowing that they don't expect you to like do everything and they know that this is not your full-time job. Um, so it's just things like that to keep kind of bounds on, you know, stress. That is different from my experience since I'm part of a group. Um, and then every week we're assigning different tasks to different people, but I would imagine, yeah, if as an individual, um, doing your own research, that would definitely add some different challenges. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, doing student research, at least it's a lot more self-directed. You have to 
sort of pace yourself. I know uh, my professor is uh, really understanding in that she'll like say, you know, whatever, like you can set goals for yourself for the next week, but then it's okay if you can't get there because re research is the real world. Things don't always happen as they're supposed to, uh, like the way that you're supposed to learn things in class. And so um, I think part of that is, I think one thing you can do is remember that like to just sort of be proud of what you're already doing in research. You're not a failure if your research doesn't work out the way you're, you're, it's supposed to or you don't get to a goal that you're hoping to get to. It just means that it's maybe the problem you're researching is harder than you thought. And so um, probably the most important, and then you just have to remember that. And that's a good thing to, that's a good way to improve your mental health while researching. And I think it's also important, especially when you're being an individual researcher, to keep your support group and not to feel like you're isolated or that you're, you can't like talk to people about your concerns or frustrations. You can always talk. Do either of you have any advice on how to balance the research with uh, other parts of your college life? Um, I'm not sure if I have it per exact advice. I think I'm still deciding, like working that out for myself. Mm -hmm. But I think the most important thing is to remember that you should have a balance. You need to do, uh, you need to put thought into your research, but you also need to have a life outside of research. Don't let it take away from things that you really want to do. I think one one thing that is helpful is to to maintain the following perspective, which is one of the stressful things about research is that you fail over and over again. For every great high eureka moment, there's many low moments where the machine didn't work, the people didn't show up who you're going to interview, the data somehow is compromised, et cetera. And you have to overcome all of those things. But that if you have the perspective that those are those failures are things that you learn from and they're necessary steps and that that's how you actually gain new knowledge and the fact that it's hard is the re is the reason the very reason why it's interesting and worth doing because no one has done it before so i think like many stressful things it's all about how you respond to that stress and so it's how you respond to those failures and research gives you a lot of opportunities for failure failure that you can overcome eventually and if you feel like your research is overwhelming or you can't keep up with the goals you're setting for yourself, then you can always just take a step back and think about, like, are these healthy goals? Yeah. And you can talk with your professor about that. And with those kinds of challenges, though, um, being able to overcome them, that is definitely another kind of wonderful feeling. Um, yeah, now that we've talked about um, some of the challenges of undergraduate research, uh, we can turn to some of the ways it can benefit us. And so on this podcast, we talk a lot about the eight dimensions of wellness. Personally, I think undergrad research can cross into a lot of those domains. Like I know we could talk about emotional, uh, social, uh, intellectual, occupational. There are so many ways that student research can benefit us. How do you think personally for you, Leo and Daniel, undergrad research has helped you? I know a big thing is socially, um, you know, we have a great lab at the International Justice Lab, like I've met friends or gotten closer to people, um, people I'm working on projects with, or also people I'm not working on projects with, and finding people who have shared interests. Um, so I just, you know, building that kind of relationship, it's kind of a unique relationship that, you know, you don't get when you go to club tennis. Um, so it, it's fun to have like those diverse kinds of relationships and get to know those different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely agree. Social part is a like social life is in a big is a big part of research, and I know I am still friends with a lot of the people in my research group. Um, we spent a whole week sort of in our physics conference bonding and getting to know other people, 
and learning new things. And that's, uh, it's really cool to be able to meet people who have the same interests as you. And I suppose one of the other part, one of the other ways that research can benefit wellness is it's, a, it's one of the rare opportunities you have to do something that's individual or at least something that you can take like responsibility or ownership of what you're doing and no one else is doing the same thing as you, the exact same thing, but you're still being supported in the work that you do. So it's very much a, a way to, to explore what you can do. And that's a great way to like, um, be prepared, get self-confidence for when you do work after college. And that one of the things that a student who's looking into the possibility of doing research should think about is what kind of environment and experience they're getting themselves into. So research for an honors thesis is probably not going to provide that social network and bonding that has just been described, but it, it does provide something else, which is the ability to go extremely deep into something, which you may not, and to have complete control over the, over the research process. Whereas uh, joining a big lab, such as in linguistics or in STEM fields, that has great opportunities to meet people and flourish in that way. But on the other hand, you, don't, you maybe don't get to decide exactly what it is that you do every week because mm -hmm. you're part of a team and you have to help the team. So one should think about that and not just take whatever research opportunity happens to be offered to them first, but what is the full experience. And professors' websites and the photos of the groups on those websites and what they're doing and if they're having barbecues together, et cetera, that can be helpful in deciding what sort of situation you want. Mm -hmm. And undergraduate research is just so cool because um, you can specialize so deeply, like as you're saying, Daniel, like club tennis, that's cool. We all like tennis, but um, it's cool that you can also find a group on campus that are just really, that's really into, oh, discourse analysis. Like we like analyzing people's speech or the international justice lab or a very specific physics field. Um, it's just really cool to be able to find those kinds of people or like doing things on your own to be able to um, engage with your passions and pursue what you want to pursue. So as you were saying, Dr. Crystal, um, how does one know if engaging in research is right for them? Like, are there people who maybe shouldn't do undergraduate research? That's a, that's a great question. There are people who shouldn't do undergraduate research because you're in college, you're a college student, and doing well in your classes is the most important thing. Now, if you are doing well in your classes and you want to add that extra layer to your experience, then you should definitely try research regardless of your field because we have research in humanities, social sciences, and, and STEM fields, and the arts. So... A student who is struggling with their grades and their classes probably shouldn't do research until they have that really under control uh, because it's, it is extra time and it can be much more alluring than classes. And so it can really even take you farther away from, from wanting to study for your classes. And I firmly believe that graduating college with a firm uh, foundation of coursework that you've done well in is important. Uh, other people who shouldn't do research, uh, people who are only doing it because they feel pressure from other people doing it, they shouldn't do research. They, you should do research if you want to do research. There's no expectation. At most colleges, most students don't have the opportunity, period. So it's perfectly fine to come to William Mary and get deeply engaged in your classes, your clubs, your service activities, uh, sitting in the college woods and meditating, whatever it is that you want to do and not to do research. That's fine. 
Um, there's no expectation that you do it. We just have a lot of opportunities here, and it is something that for many people will pay benefits in terms of career, preparation, and enriching their life while they're here. And if someone decides that they do want to get involved in research, what's the first step? The first step is to figure out how much time they have to commit to it. And if it's just a little time, then certain opportunities are good for them. And if it's a lot of time, uh, they have to figure out, is that going to be during the semester or during the summer? And you can be funded through the Charles Center to do summer research, but you can't do any research unless you find a faculty member that's going to sponsor you. So first step is to figure out how much time you have to commit so that when you go and talk to that faculty member after emailing them and asking them if they are willing to Zoom with you or meet with you, uh, you need to be able to tell them what your level of commitment is because it could be unfortunate to have a professor understand that you're going to commit uh, 10 hours a week and you're only expecting to do an hour a week. So you need to go in there with your expectations and be clear about them. So just to repeat that, figure out what you want, what you want to do, find professors to contact by email, and then meet with them and be clear with them about your interests, their interests, and see if it's a match. And don't take the first opportunity. It's, it's a courtship process. You go and talk to several professors. They talk to you. You both have to decide that it's a good relationship that could be formed. And then maybe they'll give you something to read. And if you find it interesting, go back and talk to them about it more. And that's kind of a, a test that often happens. Like, do you, do you actually show up again? Do you email them again? So it's a, it's a, you can also look for opportunities through tribe careers where professors are starting to advertise their research or through uh, your classes. You're going to talk to your research talk to your professors after class about their research. So there's no single way to do it. Yeah. So one more question for all of you, as well as you, Dr. Crystal, because I know you are involved in um, bird research, which I think we also had them on a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so what is your favorite part of research? I know I asked how it benefits you, but what is your favorite part? Um, I think one of the favorite parts I have of research is of getting to know the other people who are doing, who I'm doing research with. We're not actually researching together, but um, I think one cool thing about William & Mary is not just all the research that it offers to undergraduate students, but like it has great professors. We have spent, my professor hosted a, an informal class on plasma physics because we don't actually have a plasma physics class here. And um, we still spent like a third of each class talking about uh, which tokamak reactors looked like different kinds of donuts and about like the education system in Belgium. So like that's, you can go to a big school and probably have research opportunities, maybe even not even as an undergrad, but at William & Mary it just feels like more personal. I would probably say just knowing again that you're making a real world impact and that you know you're, the work you're doing is gonna be read or consumed not just by your professor or even your other students, but by real people um, you know, other academics, I think that's very satisfying and a big motivating factor. My favorite part of research is finishing it. <laughs> Not that I don't like the process, but uh, research isn't really research unless it's disseminated, unless it's published in some way and that the world can learn about it. Then you've completed the process. So for me, uh, having a paper accepted, which is how we disseminate our research, is it's an incredibly thrilling experience for me, even uh, if it's taken me 10 years to 
to get that thing finally finished and written up and to know that the students and I who are on that paper are now in some small way immortal, that our, something that we did together will, will be out there forever. Yeah, research has its challenges, but um, in the end, it's probably one of the most satisfying things you could do. Highly encourage anyone to try. <laughs> all right. Um, well, thank you all for joining us today. Um, yeah, thanks so much for telling us about some undergrad research. And thank you to our sponsor, United Healthcare, for support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Ben Heath, Daria Moody, Calder Sprinkle, and myself, Ginny Helmendaller.